0: Hey guys, and welcome to the latest episode of my podcast. Can your portfolio outperform, or is it doomed to mediocrity? And that is a phenomenal question. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people, their portfolios are doomed to mediocrity. And this isn't only young people who are naive. This isn't only, you know, working class people who don't know much about investments. This is everybody. This is people with the greatest advisors in the world, people with investment teams around them looking to help them. This is every like a massive number of people with lots of money, lots of access to great investment talent and professionals still get this wrong. So I want to bring you through how you can put yourself in a position to most likely succeed when building a portfolio of stocks. So the biggest problem here, and the reason the reason that you have these great investment, these talented investment professionals, um, you know, creating a poor situation for people, or creating a mediocre situation for people, is all about incentives. In investing, and in, in economics, in business, and I mean, I would almost go as far as to say life, but I don't know much about life, but I know a lot about business and economics and investing, is that everything comes back to incentives you have to think about incentives. The reason someone is doing something is because they're being incentivized to do that. And if you want to change your own personal behavior, you have to figure out a way to create an incentive to to do that. So, for example, the, the most basic, basic, basic example is, hey, my kid, I want him to do well in school. So hey Johnny, if you go to school today and you get a ninety on your freaking math test, I'll give you a chocolate bar or you can have a piece of cake. It's like, oh, there's an incentive. Yes, I want to do all my math tests, so I'm gonna have a piece so I can have a piece of cake. Like it just makes sense. Um, it's kinda of like the the horse and the carrot and leading the carrot a little bit in front of the horse's face and it will never stop walking. But deeper down when you're looking into more complex incentives, you can get into structures where People will unknowingly do what's worse for the culture or the society or the group at large in order to benefit from their incentive. Um, A big example of that was 2008 when the whole stock market collapsed and the housing market crashed. Uh, The big short, the movie, was based on that. It was all about incentives. It wasn't people who were trying to be scammers and they were trying to rip the American people off. There was just a circle of incentives where people chased what was right for them, and by people constantly going around in the circle um, looking for their own best interest, they created a bubble, and before they realized what their incentives were creating, it was kind of too late and the whole thing exploded. So if you want to make a change in your behavior, you have to find a way that that change in behavior is going to benefit yourself. So a a tricky one in, in this case is, what incentivizes us to take an action that is better for someone else than it is for us? And that's a struggle for a lot of people They think, well, if I go and do nice things for people all the time and I help people and do this and I do that and I provide value and I don't charge anything for it. When, at the end of the day, is that going to come back to me? When is my living standards going to increase? So if you want to work on becoming a better person, you have to find a way that by helping other people and by making other people's lives better, that can incentivize you. Maybe somehow that makes your life better. So you have to find out the ways in which that makes your life better. So... When I talk about incentives, the whole reason that you have lots of investors and you know you have lots of people with lots of talent advising, the reason that mediocrity finds its way in is because of incentives. And what I mean by this is that people want to enjoy a better living standard for themselves. This includes investment advisors and people giving investment advice. So, would I give in two situations? Situation one, I have a client who's always happy and they're always kind of steady, or I have situation two, where I have a client who's always pissed off at me and he's always emotional and he gets way too happy when things are going well and he gets super pissed off when things are going poorly. You know, which one would you rather have? You'd probably rather have the steady client who's always the same. Now, I'll show you why that is actually bad for the industry. Advisors, investment professionals, people in the industry take the path of least resistance. They don't necessarily aim to get the best performance or the best results for their clients. They're aiming to make their lives easier, to not have to manage so many angry people, to not have to, you know, coach and deal with people's emotions and things like that. Whereas in reality, if you want to deliver results for your... if Like as an advisor, you want to deliver results for your clients, you have to be a coach. You have to be someone who is willing to put the best interest of the client first rather than your own self-interest and your incentive to keep people in line. You know what I mean? So what I mean by this is, and I'll go through and explain, really the whole summary and what I've said thus far is just the reason there's a lot of mediocrity in the investment industry is because of incentives. People and advisors and professionals in the industry are incentivized to make your portfolio mediocre. So let's talk about the whole idea of outperforming. Is your portfolio capable of outperforming or is it doomed to mediocrity because of all these bad incentives? So first of all, what does it mean to outperform? What does it mean to, you know, deliver great performance with your your investments? And it either means, first of all, you can either achieve the, uh, the same return as everybody else with a lower risk, that's outperforming, because you're getting the same return as everybody else, but you're a lot less risky, so that's definitely outperforming. The other way you can outperform is by have higher returns. So if everybody else gets 10% and you get 12%, you outperformed. If everybody gets 10% and you also get 10% but you did it with less risk, you've also outperformed. So you have to think about this risk-reward and how you're outperforming people. So there's really four things that really go into this this concept, this question of can my portfolio outperform. Can it do better than, you know, the the mass market? Can I do better than most people if I prudently manage my investments? And the answer is yes, if you can avoid the bad incentives of the industry and stick to your guns and stick to your principles, which I'm about to lay out. And, I mean, I'm an advisor in the industry, and I'm, you know, there's people who have been in the business for 40 years. So compared to them, I'm fairly new. And I had all my investing knowledge and all my portfolio building knowledge before I went into the industry. So when I went in with all this knowledge that I had and this wisdom of, of reading and, you know, learning from the great investors, I realized how kind of skewed the entire industry is. And the really important thing to understand here is that there's four, five, maybe key principles to helping your investment outperform and avoiding the mediocrity of, of the industry. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through these four or five keys that I believe to be very important to creating a portfolio that can really outperform, and then I'm going to tell you what the industry thinks of these concepts. So first of all is the idea of diversification. Diversification, you know, people always say there's no such thing as a free lunch in the world. You can't just go and get free stuff. Everything has a trade-off. Well, diversification in investing is actually the only free lunch that really exists in the world. And the reason is, is because diversification looks like this. Would you rather own one business or own two businesses? What's more risky? The answer is it's actually riskier to own one business. Because if one business fails, then you have no money left. If you own two businesses and one of them fails, you still have 50% of your money, right? So now what if you own 20 businesses, If you own 20 businesses and one of them fails, you still have 95% of your money, right? So risk is essentially kind of alleviated. Risk is kind of mitigated by diversifying. So diversifying and investing is this one cool little trick you can use to reduce the risk of your portfolio without reducing the return. You can reduce the risk of your portfolio without reducing the return, which is what we like. We want to keep returns the same and reduce our risk or take more risk, get a higher return, but it all depends on who you are as a person. Now, what is the industry, this first principle that i talked about diversification, what does the industry think of it? And the, the truth about this one is that the industry loves diversification. They actually tend to over-diversify. They way over-diversify. And they take a client and say, hey, we're going to put you in a thousand stocks, or we're going to put you in five different funds that collectively hold uh, through 200 stocks each. So it's going to have You're going to have an outrageous amount of stocks in your portfolio, just way too many. And the reason they like to do that is because now there's no risk to the advisor. They're taking the path of least resistance. Now, what they're doing is if one of those companies fails, it's like literally 0.01% of the client's portfolio. So nobody really cares. This way, the advisors are never in that much trouble because now they're just trying to cover their butt. You know what I mean? They're trying to look good in front of the client they're trying to you know way over diversify so that the client doesn't get mad when in reality this leads us to step 2 or the or the next principle which is really important to building a portfolio that can outperform and that is concentration so first of all we're talking about diversifying and now we're talking about concentrating those are two polar opposites one says hey Have a good spread out amount of stocks that it it reduces risk, but concentration says, hey, have a small amount of stocks so that you can, you know, take advantage of your best ideas and that you're not way over diversified and not spreading out your reward way too much. You might be thinking to yourself, well, okay, so I'm supposed to diversify, but at the same time, I'm supposed to have a small, small number of investments. Like, how does this work? And the thing is, there's a very, very healthy medium and the industry has a tendency to completely violate that medium because the industry hates concentration. The industry loves diversification and it hates concentration because when you have a concentrated portfolio, you are now responsible for the losses. So as an advisor, me personally, I attempt to concentrate my client portfolios because that's the best way to outperform, but at the same time, have a good amount of diversification so that risk is reduced. Now, My job is a lot harder than the average advisor because I am taking responsibility. I'm putting my reputation, my, you know, beliefs, my thoughts on the line because I believe in them so much. You have these advisors who are just, they don't care about the performance of the client. What they care about is alleviating the possibility that someone will be mad at them. So that's why I believe in concentration. So let's talk about what that number is. Diversifying becomes useless after about 100 stocks. So after you have 100 stocks in your portfolio, it's completely useless to diversify more. It might actually be hurting your portfolio. Now, concentrating, you also don't want to have one stock or even two or three or four, maybe not even 10. You know, I would say the healthy medium for diversified portfolio of businesses is somewhere between 10 and 50, maybe a little more, maybe 20 and 50. So what you want to have is you want to have a diversified portfolio, but you want to keep it concentrated. The industry loves diversification, but they hate concentration. And what this means is just keeping a healthy number of investments that isn't too high and isn't too low. And I think that magic number is somewhere between, let's take the average, probably 15 to 50. Somewhere in that range is is how many investments uh, you should own in order to have a portfolio that is capable of outperforming. Now, when I say diversify, I also don't mean, hey, go out and buy... 50 different oil stocks, or go out and buy 50 different tech stocks, or go out and buy 50 different American stocks, or Chinese stocks, or whatever, you have to buy a diversified portfolio, which means 3 Canadian stocks, 20 American stocks, 10 European stocks, 3 in healthcare, 3 in energy, 3 in financial services, um, 3 in technology. You have to diversify across sectors, across countries, across different economies, and things like that. So that's what diversifying means. It doesn't mean own 10,000 companies or own 10,000 stocks. It means own investments in very different places. So try to find great businesses in different countries, different sectors, so that your risk is spread out more evenly. So those would be our first two principles. The next one is turnover. So What you want to make sure is that in your portfolio, whether it's in a mutual fund, whether it's in a portfolio of stocks, that there is very low turnover. And what turnover means is there's very low buying and selling of stocks in a given year. You want to make sure that you are buying into a share of a business and you're holding it for the long term. You don't care about quickly trading in and out, you know, making profits over the course of a year or two. You're looking to hold for the long term and hopefully participate in the productive capacity of your investments. So, a very important thing to understand here is that you don't want to be trading all the time, buying and selling, buying and selling, buying and selling because what's happening is every time you're buying and selling, that's creating a taxable event and that's also creating a commissionable event or a fee, you know, when you're trading. So, every time you buy or sell a stock, you're going to get charged a trading fee, you're going to get charged you know maybe the capital gains tax on it you're going to get charged all sorts of things. So, by constantly changing the the companies that are in your in your portfolio, you're also leading yourself towards mediocrity. So, what does the industry think about turnover? The industry loves high turnover, of course. They love high turnover. And the reason the industry loves a high turnover is because when more people trade and more people trade and more people trade, they get a commission and a commission and a commission and they get all these fees in between. So, one very wise piece of advice that I'm going to give to you is this: investors in the markets make money on inactivity. Wall Street makes money on activity. So the more active you are, the more money you're making for the big banks and for Wall Street and for firms, the less action you're taking, the more inactive you are, the more, you know, composed and disciplined you are and with the companies that you have, the less money Wall Street's gonna make, but the more you're gonna make over the course of your career as an investor so first thing was diversify industry loves diversification they love it too much second thing is concentration industry hates concentration because it makes advisors and investment professionals responsible for their decisions third turnover the industry loves turnover because they make a commission but it's not good for you because you need to have low turnover in order to have a portfolio that can outperform and now lastly or maybe there's two more points, but I'll really just maybe blend them. But lastly is you want to establish your long-term investment mix. So the most one of the most important things about your investing career is what is your asset mix? What is your long-term asset allocation? Which means how much money do I want to have invested in bonds? How much do I want to have in stocks? How much do I want to have in real estate? How much do I want to have here, 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 and here? Because there's this thing called the risk curve. And the more risk you're willing to take, the more return you're going to get. But that also means you're going to have a much more volatile portfolio. The risk curve also says, hey, the less volatility, the less risk you're willing to take, the lower return you're going to get. So you want to create a portfolio where... You have a good amount of risk stuff over here, and if you're very young and you're very aggressive, maybe 100% real estate, 100% stocks, that kind of stuff, as you get older, maybe more bonds. You want to define what that asset mix really is, because over the course of your life, 90% of your stock market returns are going to come from your asset allocation. 5% is going to come from the stocks you pick, and 5% is going to come from how you time the markets. So, in reality, one of the biggest, most important things is defining your asset mix. And if you can, and to simplify things, you could say, okay, my asset mix of stocks and bonds. If you're very young, 20 years old, like myself, 100% portfolio in stocks. I only buy stocks, and I only contribute to a long-term portfolio of businesses and stocks, which is a lot more volatility, but it's going to get me a lot higher return. If you're 80 years old and you need to draw on your money for your retirement income, you should have 100% bonds because. You need a very safe, you know, payout of, of interest and, and dividends just so that you can survive and, and you know, keep a very, very safe, you know, pool of money, pool of capital there for you to live because you're not working anymore. Now, if you're 30 or 40 or 50, maybe a mix, maybe you have 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Maybe if you're 25, getting to 30 years old, maybe you have 80% stocks, 20% bonds. It's all about finding out what that long-term asset mix is and, Contributing to a portfolio and just staying disciplined and always rebalancing back to that asset mix. So, there's really four things here diversify, but also concentrate, low turnover, and know your asset mix. Uh, So, those are four things that the industry has wrong incentives on. The incentives are not there to help people, they're there to create more comfort, more revenue, more commission for the professionals in the industry, and it's my duty to pretty much go in and say, hey, this isn't going to be easy work for me, I want to generate the best returns for clients, so when my, you know, authorities in my workplace come to me and say, hey, this client portfolio is too concentrated, they only have 40 stocks in their portfolio, you should include two or three more funds in there just to make it diversified, I look at them and say, that's ridiculous." You don't know what you're talking about, you're trying to cover your butt, and you're not looking out for the best interest of the client, you're not trying to help someone invest better, so get off my case or I'll leave and go somewhere else. And they say, Oh no, 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 okay, never mind, never mind, just just whatever. So it's my job to kind of take the heat and build a better portfolio for the people I work with. And I think those are four or five key principles that the industry is going to try to make you go one way when in really to benefit yourself you need to go another way. So thank you so much for listening today. And uh, I will hopefully catch you in the next episode. And like I said, I am so open to answering questions of any sort, whether it's through text message or DMs on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Um, My number is 204-291-6508. I had a 40-minute call with a Twitter follower the other day just asking about investment stuff. I'll do the same for you. I'm here to answer anything you need. It's a big world. It's a complex world. It's nice to have someone who can just talk about it with you. So I'm always here. Thank you so much. Have a great night. And I will see you in our next episode.